0: Today, I'm going to speak about many of the things that are misunderstood by the New Testament Church and how they're trying to mix Old Testament with New Testament without knowing what they're doing. The first thing that I see all the time is they try to say, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. That is an Old Testament rule, not a New Testament rule. There is a difference in the way you approach the Sabbath in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. We have a completely different way. Now, you're going to probably be shocked at the Old Testament rule. One day I was in the grocery store checking out. And in front of me, there was a woman chastising the cashier. Apparently, they attended the same church. It was a Sunday. She said to the cashier, I can't believe you're at work on a Sunday, that you're working at this grocery store on a Sunday. The cashier, in sort of a modest way, said, "Well." They called me today, and they had an emergency and needed me. She said, but you weren't at church, and here you are working on the Sabbath. And she just kept going on and on, and I was standing directly behind her. And I said, I can't believe you're buying groceries on the Sabbath. If you want to live by Old Testament rules about the Sabbath, You can't come out of your house. You can't leave your tent. You can't cook your food. You certainly cannot shop at a grocery store on the Sabbath of the Old Testament. If you want to live by Old Testament rules, you better get your rules straight. For in the New Testament church, we don't have those rules that the Old Testament people had. She was shocked, of course, but she shut up and fled. You drive down the street and sometimes you'll see signs people put up in their front yard and they list the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. And one of the things is, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. I think, you don't even know what the Sabbath was in the Old Testament that you are quoting. They couldn't go out of their tents. They couldn't gather manna in the wilderness on the seventh day. They had to gather enough manna on the sixth day to have food for the seventh day. They were not permitted to cook food, to do any form of work. It was a day of rest. You certainly couldn't watch a football game on television. You couldn't go to the grocery store on the Sabbath. You couldn't do any of those things that people do who often, quote, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. I've often wondered also about the Jewish people who don't accept Christ as the Messiah. What is their sacrifice for sins? If they're going to live by the Old Testament, there are very strict rules concerning the sacrifice of animals and shedding the blood of animals for sins. Well, I thought, what do the Jewish people do who do not accept Jesus? The thing that changes it all is Jesus. The coming of Jesus changed it from the old testament rules to the new testament rules because now we live by faith in the shed blood of jesus for our sins there's a passage in hebrews which says without the shedding of blood there is no sacrifice for sins well who shed blood for your sins if not jesus I certainly didn't shed any blood for my sins, and yet I know I'm born again. I know the Word of God sanctified me and changed me instantly. See, you can't mix the Old Testament with the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God gave many rules for the garments that the priest would wear. Today I see people dressed in the strangest things. The running back Jim Brown, who is no longer living, but played for Cleveland back in the late 50s. He declared himself some type of minister, and he used to wear a little kind of coat of many color beanie, skull cap. I don't know what he was trying to profess himself to be. Today, the Catholics wear all sorts of strange garments, showing their hierarchy rank, I think. Pointed hats and funny robes and stuff like that. What does a New Testament minister wear to show himself to be a minister? It's not clothing. He wears Jesus, the Word of God. By the word of God, you know the ministers of God in the New Testament. We have no clothing prescribed in the New Testament. None. It's the inward man, the word of God, that we put on. Also, you know us by the spiritual gifts that God gives us. And when we speak those things or do those things in front of the church. They recognize that we're of God. I've had so many people say to me at churches, we know the hand of God is really on you. I often didn't understand what they were saying, but they recognized me. Why? Because God gave me spiritual gifts, a gift of exhortation. He also gave me word of knowledge. And with me, he did it in a very probably different way. I was at a prayer group, and we were standing in the middle of the room, holding hands with our head bowed and eyes closed, which I personally hate. But I did it. I was a young Christian, didn't know any better. And... The women were praying, some woman was praying, and I heard, look up. I opened my eyes and looked up, and on the wall, I saw, like you take a black felt tip pen and put an outline of something on the wall, and I knew it was a body part, and I said to God, they're praying and I'm talking to God. I said to God, now I know that's a body part, but I don't know which one it is. And I heard stomach. I said, oh, yes, that's a stomach. That's like the old Pepto-Bismol commercials. As soon as they quit praying, I got enough courage to say, does anyone have a stomach problem? And one little woman said, "Oh, I do, I do!" And she was jumping up and down. That's the first time God ever showed me a gift of the Holy Spirit and how I was to administer that gift. I saw it by open visions. Pam Paget, a member of the church, follows God by faith. Was diagnosed in September of 2022 as having a very aggressive bladder cancer. And the specialist said she would be dead within two years if she didn't have her bladder surgically removed after a series of chemotherapy. Now, they prescribe that to people, but they'd think twice before they did it to themselves. Pam began praying about this. She didn't mind the chemotherapy, but she didn't want to have surgical removal of her bladder. And she asked God if there wasn't some other way that she could be treated. One day, a pharmacist gave her some papers concerning chemotherapy and what to expect, what to prepare for. On those papers, the cancer society had placed a statement saying, the treatment of this cancer by radiation and chemotherapy may give you the same results as chemotherapy and surgery. And Pam said, I think that's the answer. Not one of the five medical people thought it would work on Pam. They tried to explain it by their reasoning on why they thought it wouldn't work. No one told her about it. She read it in those papers the pharmacy gave her. No one even told her it was a possibility. The only thing the doctors told her is she had to have chemotherapy followed by... Removal of her bladder. They never mentioned radiation treatments. Never gave her an option. But Pam knows God, and she prayed, and God talked to her and led her every step of the way. I had an open vision, which I believed to be this cancer. I saw it as huge globs of stuff, like three globs, like you fold up your fist and put your fist together, globs of stuff. I saw it on the wall. That's the way God shows me open visions is usually on the wall. Outlined up in the top corner of the ceiling, I saw these, I believe, three big fist-like globs, which I saw were likely the cancer. All of a sudden there was a noise going swoosh, and those blobs just kind of fell in on themselves and disappeared completely. No sign of them. Well, I very reluctantly told Pam this could be a vision of that cancer that I had seen. When you live in close proximity, to someone, I think it's a little harder to say that kind of thing because you're so involved. Anyway, she took the radiation treatments between December of 2022 and January of 2023. She was to go back in April to have examinations to see what had happened to that cancer? She had a dream where there were two bags filled with debris. And medical people were going through those two bags looking for disease. And they found no disease in either bag. Pam felt that God was showing her there would be no cancer. Well, the, I think they're called oncologists, he was examining her for the cancer in April after the treatment of radiation and chemotherapy. And he was preparing Pam to have cancer. He says, now, if there is some more cancer, we can likely treat it by a lesser surgery than you had in September. We can treat it, I think. He started looking by a scope at her bladder where the cancer had been. And he said, this is great. There isn't any cancer. And three places he looked, and three times he said the same thing. There isn't any cancer. It was gone. He had seen it in September. It was now Completely gone. Well, that's when I knew that open vision was of God. When it comes to pass, if it comes to pass, you know it's of God. It was not that I had anything to do with her healing. I just had a word of knowledge. Spiritual gift of a word of knowledge. I told it to her and she told me after there was no cancer found she said it really helped her to hear that word of knowledge so in the new testament church we have spiritual gifts that are given to help the church we can read about these in two sections of scripture we're going to look at romans 12 and 1 corinthians 12 Romans 12, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, that means serving. Let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. I have a gift of exhortation. And it means you're urging the church by advice and or warning. Exhortation. I do that all the time. But the exhortation's from God, not of myself. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. 1 Corinthians 12, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. As I told you, I see these open visions as if they're drawn by a a black marker on the wall. You, if you have that same gift that I have, you may not be shown it that way at all. Sometimes God just speaks to me and gives me a word of knowledge. But most often I'm shown it by open visions. But the manifestation of the Spirit, is given to every man to profit with all. Verse 8. To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. By the same Spirit. It's the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one and self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he God wills. As we exercise that spiritual gift that is given by God, the church recognizes us as being of God. It's not by the clothing we wear. It's not by... Some people used to wear a little dove or something, and I used to laugh saying, you'll know them by their dove. But it's not that way. In the New Testament, it's not by clothing, it's not by collars, it's not by pointed hats, it's not by long robes that they all make up themselves. None of that is prescribed. You don't see any evidence in the New Testament Bible of the apostles wearing long robes and pointed hats. They dress like other people. Paul, you don't see any evidence of a garment on Paul? some kind of thing to show he's a minister. They knew he was a minister. He performed great miracles. God gave him a gift where they would bring him a handkerchief or an apron, and he touched it, and they took it home to the sick person, and the sick person was healed. That was a special gift given to the Apostle Paul. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God does it as he wills. And by those gifts, you can recognize often the calling of the ministers of God. When Jesus arose into heaven, I'm quoting from Ephesians 4. He gave gifts to the church. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ Ephesians chapter 4 now on this thing of apostles prophets well so many churches today say there are no apostles the last apostle was Paul he replaced Judas he did not replace Judas Acts chapter 1 and 2 shows that Matthias replaced Judas. Paul wasn't even a Christian at that time. He was persecuting the church at the time Judas was replaced as the 12th apostle. Paul is one of those New Testament apostles spoken of in Ephesians chapter 4. On the road to Damascus, A bright light shined. At that time, he was on a commission from the high priest to catch Christians to take them back for judgment of the high priest. Some would be bound and imprisoned, and some would be killed. And Paul gave his approval when they killed Stephen, Acts chapter 7 and 8. Paul is an example of the New Testament apostle for he was out to catch Christians on the road to Damascus a bright light shined around him and those who were with him and he heard a voice saying Saul Saul he had his own name called the other people traveling with him did not have their name called this was a message to Paul Saul His name was changed after that to Paul. He is an example of one of the first New Testament apostles. Also in Ephesians 4, it says, Jesus, after he rose, gave gifts to the church, some apostles, not one, some, some prophets. In the New Testament, in Acts, the prophets were always roaming around together. And they would go from one place to another speaking the word of God, edifying the church, correcting many people in the church. Because correction is one of the main things prophets do. And it's very unpopular frequently because the church people get mad at you. There was one woman from our church who was said to be a prophet. She told me this, and I thought it was so funny. She said they would invite her to come speak to some church and that she would get there and try to kind of make it warm up to the real message and say flowery things. And they would sleep up until the time she got to the real message, and then they would get mad at her. That's exactly what happens with prophets. Well, there's a total difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. The people did not have the Holy Spirit of God given to them in the Old Testament. They had to go to the prophet who had the Holy Spirit, to inquire of God. That is not the case today. In the New Testament, every believer called by God has the Holy Spirit given to him. So that's a wonderful gift because the Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to reveal to us the will of God. How does he reveal it? He simply brings an idea to our mind to show us what to do. It's that simple. Sometimes God will give us a dream to show us what to do. But most often, it's just something brought to our mind. I was thinking of getting new upholstery for my 25-year-old car. And as I thought about doing this, I heard a word from God. And it was, or you could just buy a new car. And I said, that's right, I could. I'd sold the house in Texas. I had no debt. All the money for the sale of the house was sitting in the bank. I could buy a new car and have money left over from the sale of the house in Texas. And by telling me that, I was 81, I think, at that time, the Holy Spirit was assuring me I would not need that money in the future. Go ahead and buy the car. And God even gave me a dream that night that I bought a new car. The next day, we went to look at cars, picked one out, and bought one. I just can't imagine living on the earth without having the Holy Spirit of God to show me what to do. In Exodus 24, God called Moses to come up to the mount and meet with him in order that he would be given the commandments of God to give to the children of Israel. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights receiving commandments of God. God told him exactly how to build the tabernacle. I asked God how to handle this four or five chapters of these um, rules and commandments that don't apply to us at all. And I want to go through and just pick out a few things to talk about because I think that you will benefit from them. So let's just skim through from chapter 24 to 32. Just a few verses from those chapters. God makes a covenant with the children of Israel. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord hath said, we will do and be obedient. Yeah, right. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood, this was the blood from animals. Behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made, with you concerning all these words. Well, you know they're not going to do it. They murmur about Moses all the time, complaining about him. Exodus 24, verse 12, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up to the mount of God, where he stayed forty days and forty nights. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you, and behold, Aaron and her are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. Aaron was a prophet of God. He was Moses' brother, his elder brother, three years older. So Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount, and the glory of the Lord abode on the mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud, God called him. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. The word of God itself is a devouring fire. I have been changed so many times by the word of God. When I fell at my house in Texas in 2018, I was lying on a tile floor. I knew I had a broken hip. I knew I had a broken hand. My left hand was bent totally back to the wrist. It was terribly painful. I rolled onto my right side, which wasn't broken and started trying to inch my way to the nearest telephone to call for help. I lived alone. No one was due at my house till the following Monday. I would be dead by then if I didn't get help. So my motivation was pretty high. I started crawling to the phone, but I just couldn't do it. I would almost pass out after making my body move about half an inch. I was lying there helpless, and I heard a word from God that changed everything. The Holy Spirit said, You can do this. With that word, I I started crawling. I knew I could do it because God had told me I could do it. I did get to the phone. I did get help. When the ambulance workers rolled me past the front door of my house, I heard a word from God. You'll never see this house again. It didn't trouble me. I didn't care. God had another plan for me. My experience with God is every time he moved me, things were better, not worse. So I knew God. I knew if I lived. I didn't know if I would live or die. I was 81 at the time. And so I didn't really know if I'd recover from that. I didn't ask God if I would live. I just kind of figured if I lived, he had another plan for me. Well, I did live, and I did have another, he did have another plan. He had shown me months before that I could not continue to live alone, and I had no one to go to at all. I had prayed that God not put me ever with certain people who troubled me greatly if I needed help, that I would never be put with them. But I had no one in mind at all to go to until a nurse came into my room to get me to sign papers for surgery and to name someone who would be in charge of me if I couldn't answer for myself. One of our church women was there at the time the nurse came in. And when the nurse asked that question, I said, Pam Paget is in charge of me. So she wrote that name down and the particulars on how to reach her. The church member that was standing there said, how can Pam be in charge of you? She doesn't live here. She's 450 miles away. I said, well, I don't know how, but she is. God had put it in my heart. We have so much help from God. But I find the word of God is like being struck by lightning. When it hits me what to do, I'm just standing there. I never thought of that. I'd never thought of doing that. And it's like Moses described here. It's like a devouring fire on the top of the mount. And God said to Moses, speaking to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger skin. Now what was all this about? He was going to build a tabernacle. That would be the Ark of the Covenant that they would carry with them through the wilderness. It doesn't apply to us at all. Although there is a mention of giving willingly to the Lord in the New Testament. But this was a specific offering which they were going to be giving for various things that the Old Testament required. And then God told them how to build this Ark of the Covenant, how to build it, specifically how to build it. Well, I really have to say that when I read some of it, I can't keep reading. But just know that God was in charge and told them what to do. It doesn't apply to us today, except the Holy Spirit tells us what to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to reveal to us who are of God, the will of God, so that we freely know the things God has given us. That is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. says also in verse 14, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither shall he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But we know them, We who are born again, we who have the Holy Spirit know them because the Holy Spirit shows us the things God has planned for us. Two things that you may want to read about the Holy Spirit, they certainly didn't teach it in any church I ever attended. One of them, Jesus says, in John chapter 14, verse 26, but the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, because he brings us comfort. He brings us words which comfort us, words of truth. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, says Jesus, he shall teach you all things and shall bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Jesus was speaking before his crucifixion and resurrection. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Jesus would be given to the church at the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. It would be after Jesus had risen into heaven. The Holy Spirit of Jesus would teach us all things. I have found it's about all things as needed, about both spiritual things and secular things. And notice in verse 26 of John chapter 14, notice that another thing he is going to do for us is bring to our remembrance whatsoever Jesus has said to us My best friend enrolled me in Bible Memory Association, where I had to memorize one verse of Scripture a week or something and then recite it to her, my sponsor. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done. Now, I can quote hundreds of verses of Scripture now because I've lived those Scriptures. They're really part of me. And they just come forth. The Holy Spirit brings to my mind and your mind whatsoever Jesus has said. Jesus the Word. Now, the other section of Scripture, which is in John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear from God, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He will guide you into all truth. At one point in time, lightning struck near Pam's house, and it caused all of the electronics to go off. She was in bed, and she said, I can't face this, and she just pulled a blanket up over her head. (laughs) I think I would have, too. Mm -hmm. What happened was she heard one thing to do. So she got up and did that, and then she heard another thing to do. The Holy Spirit guided her through that house to fix one thing after another, and make it work again. He shall guide you into all truth. Now, these things are foolish to the world because, remember what it said in 1 Corinthians two fourteen: The natural man, the one who's not born again, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I ran my business five years by the Holy Spirit. Before I went out to the reservations to buy Indian jewelry, which I had an American Indian arts business in Dallas, and I was born again in 1975 by a word from God. And God had taught me about the Holy Spirit. So before I went to the reservation, I prayed and asked God to please have the Indian artist make the items that I needed for the shop. I didn't know what those items were. God knew. On the way to the reservation, I would be praying for God to show me the items that I was to purchase. He usually did that by... I would have an interest in the item, just a strong interest, and couldn't walk away from the item. And then when I got home, I would pray for God to send the angels out to bring in my customers. I never had anything that didn't sell. I never had a sale at my business until I closed the business in 1979 to go into the ministry. And then I reduced the price by 10%. I had gone over to Fort Worth to TCU that day of the first day of the sale. I was going to have a three-day sale. When I got home, Flo, who worked for me, called me. And she said, Joan, I, I just want to warn you. There is hardly any merchandise left. They flooded into the store and bought everything. And I didn't want you to be frightened when you saw what the store looks like tomorrow. Well, we couldn't even stay open three days. Everything was gone the first two days. Once in a while, somebody would come in my store and they would say, will you uh, reduce the price of this object? And I would say, Would you go to Neiman Marcus and ask Mr. Marcus to lower the price of the item at Neiman's? They apologized. I didn't have sales. God showed me what to buy for the shop. I knew it would sell. He went out and got the customer to come in to buy the item. I never had an item that didn't sell in five years of being a Christian. So I know living by the Holy Spirit. I know these two scriptures. I know them well. John chapter 14, verse 26, because I lived them. I lived them when I ran my business. And I continue to live them. This is how I live, by following the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now let's go back to Exodus 25 and look again at that. Verse 9 God says to Moses, According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of of the instruments thereof, even shall ye make it. He gave him specific directions for everything. If you will just glance at Exodus 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, just glance at it, for you will see you don't want to read that, and you don't have to. That is not for the New Testament church. But it shows us how specific God can be so that we know when we need help, He can show us exactly what to do. It strengthens our faith to think on that. Exodus 28 speaks of the type of garments for Aaron to wear as a priest. We don't do that anymore. We have nothing in the New Testament that shows us any form of garment for any minister nor for any of the apostles. They just looked like ordinary people. But they were filled with the word of God, and when they spoke, that's what they clothed themselves with is the word of God. Jesus. In chapter 31, I believe it is, it speaks of the Sabbath. Just listen to this description. Well, first of all, I would tell you that when God gave the children of Israel manna in the wilderness, he gave specific rules for them to gather only the portion that they could eat that day. Well, of course, some of them disobeyed and tried to store up manna. It turned to worms. And then he told them, on the sixth day, gather a double portion of manna and keep it for the seventh day. The manna gathered on the sixth day didn't turn into worms. They ate it on the seventh day because they weren't allowed to cook. They weren't even allowed to go out of their tent. They were to rest. Well, what is the New Testament Sabbath? It's the end of Hebrews 3 and the beginning of Hebrews 4. The New Testament Sabbath is ceasing from all our works as God did from His, trusting in God every day, doing what God shows us, not trying to figure out what to do but turning to god in prayer and doing what god shows us that is our sabbath of the new testament resting from our own works as god did from his works on the seventh day but the seventh day it was just really stuff you wouldn't want to live by Here's where it's, it's, I believe, 31, verse 13. Speak thou unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath shall ye keep, for it is a sign between me and you, that you will know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. And he said, Through your generations. But we have the New Testament today. We don't live by Old Testament. The promises of God are valid. Many of the promises of God apply to us today. The Lord is our shepherd, I shall not want. That applies to us. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Psalm 23. Psalm 1 applies to us today. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. Let's look at verse 2 once again of Psalm 1. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God, the Old Testament and the New Testament. I have a great delight in both the Old and New Testament. And in his law, doth he meditate day and night? Well, we have the law of God for the New Testament church in the New Testament Bible. But the Old Testament Bible admonishes us and shows us the way of God. Not that we live by the law of Moses, we don't. We live by the rules of God, the law of God in the New Testament Bible. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Recently, I asked God about adding music at the end of podcast, and I heard, whatsoever you do will prosper. And it will. It should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It's not easy to pull a tree down, a big cottonwood tree that's drinking out of the river. It's strong and firm and not easily moved. And that's what Christians should be. If you meditate in the Word of God and do all that you see to do, and not just seek popularity and approval of man, you too will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. There are so many ungodly in the churches who call themselves Christians. Jesus said in the last days, it would be that way, Matthew 24. He said, let no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and deceive many. They come saying they're Christians, but they don't do the word of God. They don't have the spirit of God. The ungodly are not so but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. It just blows with the wind. They have no stability at all. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. They flee me pretty fast. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall Perish now, look at this law of God in the Old Testament on the sabbath exodus thirty one thirteen Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, verily, my Sabbath shall ye keep for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that ye may know then I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. Are you going to be put to death for going to the grocery store on a Sunday? That's what would be required if you're going to break the Old Testament Sabbath. You don't want to live by the Old Testament laws of Moses and they're the laws of God but they were for the Old Testament church you don't want to live that way you don't want to be bound where you can't go to the grocery store where you can't leave your house on a whatever you call the Sabbath the seventh day whether it's Saturday or Sunday it doesn't matter but you don't want to live by Old Testament laws if you think you do. Then read Exodus 31, verse 14. Ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Every one that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest holy to the Lord whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day he shall surely be put to death. Now this is Old Testament. Glance at it, look at it be happy you're not having to live in it because this is not New Testament, and yet Paul says it admonishes us, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. all these things happen to them of the Old Testament to admonish us, to warn us, to show us God, God is so visible in the Old Testament. At one point, God gives the commandments for the building of the Ark of the Tabernacle. And he said, put two cherubs at the front, looking toward each other and wing to wing. People think that's angels. Angels don't have wings. Genesis chapter 19 shows that the men that God sent to destroy Sodom, they just look like natural men. Another place that I can prove by the New Testament that angels do not have wings. They are thinking of cherubs when they say angels with wings. Cherubs have wings. Look at Hebrews Chapter 13, verse 2. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. If these angels had wings, you'd notice it. They look like regular people, just like regular men. So straighten up your thinking on this point if you're thinking angels have wings cherub i looked it up once in a dictionary and it was a mythical creature with wings so if you look just plants scroll past the verses on exodus 25 through 31 because i don't think you're going to want to read every detail of them But you'll see how detailed they were in the Old Testament. God was very detailed, and he's detailed with us. In the New Testament, everything applies. In the Old Testament, some of the things, such as the promises of God, apply. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against thee will prosper and every tongue that rises against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. The reason our righteousness is of Him is because He tells us a word, we live by it, and then our righteousness is of Him. So look at these things briefly. In this section of Scripture, and stop and read if you want to, especially about the Sabbath or some of those others, but you've got to get rid of this thinking about Old Testament Sabbath and following it, because I assure you, you're not going to stay home all day on the seventh day. You're not going to want to stay home in your tent all day and you don't want to prepare your food on the day before. And these are things they had to do. honor the Sabbath. Our Sabbath is ceasing from your own works. Hebrews chapter 4, read that especially. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today. Today's music we play for you is Antonio Vivaldi, Four Seasons, Spring. Joshua Bell is the violinist, a wonderful performer. John Constable Harpsichord, Academy of St. Martins in the Field, recorded in 2008.